In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for bringing us together here tonight. We thank you again for this beautiful night. We ask you tonight to pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, to help us know who we are in you, in Christ, your Son, our Lord. Thanks to our baptism, thanks to our adoption, thanks to your Holy Spirit that you have given us. We want to entrust this night to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and crown her the Queen of our gathering as we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we're competing tonight with the Dream Cruise, whether it's the train or the Dream Cruise, but we'll do our best. So the theme of greatness has been on my heart this week, and I think sometimes for us, it's hard to meditate on our greatness because we're told that we should be humble, and sometimes we don't understand how greatness and humility can be uh, together. You know, how, how can we reconcile that in ourselves? But I liked what Mother Teresa said about humility, as I'm sure many other saints did, but she just said, humility is the truth. And God is the ultimate truth. Truth and reality are, are synonymous, you could say, and God is the ultimate reality. He's the ultimate truth. And he made us in his image and likeness. And he's great. He's awesome. He's all-powerful. And we're his children. We, we are now his children. And so it's safe to say that we are great because we belong to him. Because he made us and he redeemed us. So there's a certain greatness about us that I think it's, it's healthy and important for us to be in touch with as sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. So that's what I wanted to reflect on tonight. St. Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, has a beautiful prayer that he begins the letter with, or at least in, in chapter 1, verse 15. He has this prayer. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power in us who believe? According to the working of his great might, which he accomplished in Christ when he raised him from the dead and made him sit at his right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul is even praying that we would come to know 
our greatness, the greatness of our calling, the greatness of God and His Spirit in us who believe, who have been called. And He's asking for this spirit of wisdom and revelation that we would know Him, that we would have an experience of Him. Whenever Paul talks about knowledge, he's often referring to an experiential knowledge. Meaning that we have some experience of God that we can really sense and, and feel and be in touch with. It's not just some mere intellectual understanding, but it's, it's something that really touches our hearts. Something that moves us. Something that transforms us. And so we pray for that tonight. We pray for that every time, I think, we come before the Lord. Every time we go to prayer, we never know what God is going to do. But let's ask Him tonight in a particular way that Paul's prayer would be answered for us. That we would have this deeper experience of God, this personal encounter with Him that would raise our awareness of our greatness. So Jesus has something to say about greatness. In fact, there's the train. So in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus talks about greatness. Because as it says here, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children... You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So there's some relationship between greatness and being childlike. Not to be confused with being childish, right? <laughs> so God is not asking us to be childish, but to be childlike. And what is it to be childlike? Well, most of you, you know, if not all of you, are, are parents. You've raised children. And so one thing in particular I think the Lord is looking for us is a childlike trust. Behind me we have the image of divine mercy. And the motto of divine mercy says so much, Jesus, I trust in you. And a little child looks to his or her parents with great trust and confidence and, and great dependency and, and just has this desire to be known and loved and protected and provided for. And also, something that is necessary for that child to thrive is to be affirmed by their parents. And I think that's something that the Lord wants all of us to experience here tonight. That's what's been on my heart in particular. Like, God wants us to feel affirmed by him, just as every child wants to feel affirmed by his or her parents. God our Father wants us to feel affirmed by him. There's a great little book called Born Only Once, written by Conrad Bars, a Catholic psychologist. And he reflects on this and how necessary it is for us to feel affirmed so that we can be fully alive and not only born biologically, hence the title, Born Only Once, but to come to, you know, to realize our, our full potential as human beings, we have to, in a sense, be the apple of somebody's eye. We have to realize that we are cherished, that we are delighted in, 
and that would register as feeling affirmed. And it's something I'm sure we've all felt, but perhaps we haven't even thought that God would want us to feel that way, that he himself, as our Heavenly Father, would want to affirm us, and that he would want us to feel affirmed by him. So we could grow in confidence in our relationship with him, so that we could have this more filial relationship with him, this childlike trust in him. Because if we feel affirmed by him, well then, we're going to have this simplicity in our relationship with him. We'll have this confidence. We'll have this openness. And as Paul says in, in Romans 8, we could read that. He says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So we share in his cross, we share in his mission, we answer his call to follow him. And so share in his glory and his greatness. We participate in his very life. And to just drive home this point, when Jesus was baptized, we even heard the Father from the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So even in his humanity, Jesus needed to be affirmed. And you can imagine how affirmed he felt when the Father spoke from the cloud. So I think tonight the Father wants to, to communicate that sense to all of us here tonight. Alright, so the Father even affirmed the Son at his baptism. And, and those words were pronounced over each and every one of us at our baptism. The Father meant for those words to be for each and every one of us. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you I am well pleased. I made you. I created you. I know you through and through. And I delight in you. You are great. You are awesome. And this morning, I also was inspired to look at Psalm 139. So I want to read Psalm 139 for all of you. It's a beautiful psalm that really echoes this sentiment about our greatness and God's greatness, of course. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, 
and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And here's the zinger, verse 13. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And then it goes on, but I'll, I'll stop there for tonight. But I would encourage you to meditate on Psalm 139 for yourself. Because it states the truth that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made each and every one of us unique. Some of you know I like to say that, you know, for you coffee lovers out there, that each and every one of us is a unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. Or for you scotch lovers or whatever, right? A unique blend of truth, goodness, and beauty. So each and every one of us reflects God in a very unique way. And really, only you reflect God and his goodness and truth and beauty the way that you do. So there's no need for us to compare ourselves with each other and worry about what we can or can't do. But rather, let's ask the Lord to, to know ourselves better, to know him better, and to know his goodness and, and, and beauty and truth as it is reflected in us. And let's just pray that it can shine and be transmitted more and more purely, without any fear. Because as Paul said, we did not receive a spirit of fear. God doesn't want us to be afraid. He doesn't want us to follow him in fear. He wants us to be attracted out of love. He wants us to be inspired out of love. So with that, I think we will start the fire. We will start our time of adoration and praise and worship. Lisa's going to start the fire for us. I'll bring the Blessed Sacrament out.